Rewind is brought to you by Press Play to Continue and recorded in the great city and state of Austin, Texas, also known as the live music capital of the world. It is written, produced, and edited by me, Corey Latimer. Now, if you'd like to show your support by keeping Press Play to Continue weird, head on over to my Patreon at pressplaytocontinue slash patreon.com. I sincerely thank you for your time, your love, and your generosity you have shown me. It lets me know I'm actually going down the right path in life. Thank you. Now, on to the show. Another episode of Press Play to Continue Rewind. I'm your host, Corey Latimer, and this is, in fact, episode 14. So, you know, when you pick up an NES controller, now think about this. What is the first game you think of, honestly? Like, just think about this for a second. I have one in mind, obviously, because I'm doing a podcast on it. I'm sure you have thought of this before. Especially if you're a major Nintendo fan like myself, sure, people will say Legend of Zelda or Mega Man 2 or even 3, which is my favorite, Mega Man 3. Uh, And, you know, even maybe Super Mario, the original Super Mario. But let me tell you, you you may be in the same arena as my thought process, sure, with that in in mind as Super Mario, the original. But we're actually going to be talking today about the third iteration to the Mario franchise, which is Super Mario 3. And yes, the one with the flying raccoon tail, if you haven't figured it out by now. If you don't know what Super Mario 3 is, stop stop this podcast right now and just play the game. You have to play this game. Uh, it, it just It's so meaningful. Uh, nostalgic, it just flows within this game. And that's why I'm making it into an episode. The reason I wanted to make this into a podcast, like I just said, is just how important this game is actually into the the Nintendo, the original inter, uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you can make the case for the mentioned games that I had, you know, that I mentioned earlier. But after listening to episode 14 of Press Play to Continue Rewind, I hope to achieve at least some sort of ambiguity with you, my audience. So, going into my segue of, you know, bringing Super Mario 3, you know, to a whole, uh, Japan, right? October 23rd of 1988 was when, in fact, this game released. So, it was actually released originally in Japan. And almost a couple years later, in North America, it was released in February, February the 12th which is here like in the next couple of weeks, which is kind of cool. So that's why, also, that's another reason why I kind of, just to kind of have like a, I don't know, just an homage, I guess, to this game. Um, And also in Europe, believe it or not, three, almost three years later, which was released in August of uh, 29th of 1991. It's also developed Nintendo Entertainment, obviously, directed by Takashi Tezuka, Produced by none other than Shigeru Miramoto, and then composed by Koji Kondo. Now these guys, these guys have have pretty much 
been in bed with every Nintendo first-party IP you can think of, whether it may be Zelda, whether it may be, like, a, you know, Super Mario, Donkey Kong. Uh, these guys just knew and know how, still today, to make games. And they will always be sought after as, you know, top-tier developers and producers and composers. These guys just know how to bring it. Uh, with each game that they make, which I, I'm still, in fact, I cannot believe that they've been in the industry for almost 20 to almost 30 years now, which is incredible. You don't hear about that a lot nowadays. So these guys are the true OGs. So the cover art actually within Mario 3, it depicts uh, the main protagonist, Mario, obviously. You know, he's flying with ears and the tail of Japanese raccoon dog. That was within my research, a Japanese raccoon dog. I, I don't know what it is, but if you see the actual picture of it, it actually makes sense. And, yeah, it, the players controlled Plumber's Mario and Luigi, his brother. A lot of people don't use Luigi. I, I do, just to kind of mix it up. But it, there's really not a much of a factor in this game as there was in Super Mario 2. Which I eventually want to get to uh, in a podcast as well one day, eventually. But I had, to, I, had to, I had to come to Super Mario 3. I had to kind of jump the gun in this regard because of the fact that there was just so much... There was such a leap uh, within from, you know, Super Mario to Super Mario 3. Uh, so that's, that's why I, I found it, this game to be a little bit more important as opposed to 2. Even though 2, don't get me wrong... I feel like it's kind of the underdog out of all the Mario, um, you know, I, uh, titles within the franchise. So uh, I, I, I like them all. I uh, it's what it comes down to, I guess. But yeah, so like I said, the players control Mario or Luigi, who must save Princess Toadstool. Toadstool. <laughs> now in Japan, just a real quick, you know, anecdote. She has also been known as Princess Peach which we know of today, obviously, if you play like Mario Kart, Mario Kart 64, you know, any of the super, you know, the new Super Mario Brothers that are out now today, like Super Mario Odyssey, uh, you'll know her as Princess Peach, but there for a while, uh, not until at least 1993, was she known as Princess Toadstool in, uh, in America, which is quite odd, I don't know, I don't know, but they decided to go with Peach, which is you know, obviously, that's what she's known by today. So, and yeah, like I said, the, there was pretty much, let's see, I've kind of lost my, my footing. But the rulers of the seven different kingdoms from the antagonist Bowser and his Kooplings, that's who they were battling against. And what was so great about this, too, was the fact that not only were you having to square off with Bowser... But also, it was his kids, who they kind of brought to the table as well. I think this was the first time you actually saw Bowser's kids. Now, this is just... <sighs> when I'm talking about this, too, as I'm speaking these words out to you, I'm like, God, I'm... I sound pretty nerdy right now, but <laughs> I just find it so fascinating and interesting. But, yeah, his couplings, or ki kids, rather... Was Lemmy, Wendy, Morton, Larry, Iggy, Ludwig, and Roy. Now, Lud Ludwig and Roy, I like Ludwig a lot. Um, 
if you Google them, if you're really interested, <laughs> Google, Google Ludwig from Super Mario 3. I just like his huge big bush. Now, yeah, my last episode, by the way, that was, that was way out in left field, but I appreciate you tuning in. I just wanted to try something different. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess that's a character I developed. But going on... Um, to the actual abilities that were presented into Super Mario Bros. 3. Some of the new abilities were flight, obviously, that I just mentioned with the, the Super Leaf item. And they're also sliding down the slopes. That was, that was a huge thing. There for a while, there was... You had to jump from platform to platform, pretty much, but between, you know, Super Mario, the original, and then Super Mario 2 which was really not even a, a Super Mario game to begin with. Oh, interesting little little factoid there for you. But I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to try to save that for another episode, Super Mario 2, because I want to do these individually, because I think they are, it's, a, it's necessary, because they're so, they're so relevant within the gaming industry. So might as well, right? So, yeah, uh, another thing, too, is Super Mario Bros. 3 introduced many elements to the game, like I just mentioned with flight and sliding down the slopes. But also, um, like I said, there was elements that became Mario staples within the franchise itself. Even today, in the newer iterations of Mario, people just can't get enough of this wild plumber with his healthy mustache always intact. (laughs) You know? He makes... The great Tom Selleck, Magnum P.I., you know, for instance, looked like a child case compared to him. Actually, believe it or not, actually, what's really interesting is Mario was modeled after Tom Selleck. No, I'm only kidding, but... (laughs) Can you imagine having, like, Tom Selleck (laughs) as modeled, uh, you know, know, that's that's who Mario would have been modeled at? I don't know. I, I thought that would have been interesting. The only reason I brought that up is, too, is because they share very similar mustaches, if you didn't catch that by now. Anyways, Super Mario 3 is acclaimed by critics as one of the greatest video games of all time. It is the third best-selling NES game with more than 17 million copies sold worldwide, only getting beat out by the original Mario Bros., which actually sold 40 million units and Duck Hunt. That's that game, you know, if you haven't played Duck Hunt, oh my gosh, please play that game as well. But yeah, that sold an estimated amount of 28.3 million uh, worldwide. Now I will say, because uh, this was just running through my head too, those games that I just mentioned, it's not kind of, it's, it's really not fair uh, because of the fact that they were actually released with, you know, the deluxe Nintendo package, which I was fortunate to get back in the day um, as a kid. Uh, yeah, another thing, too, it, it, there was an actual an actual remake uh, on the Super Nintendo as part of the Super Mario All-Stars in 1993. Uh, within the last couple of years, back in, you know, 2018, it became actually a free game through the Nintendo Switch Online services, which I have. Um, I don't have Super Mario All-Stars. I kind of regret not getting it. I always played it with a buddy of mine that, uh, you know, back in the day he had. And uh, I would always, always play that game constantly. Just because it had Mario, Super Mario 2, Super Mario All-Stars. 
I could be wrong on this. I This is just off the top of my head. It might have Mario Kart on there, maybe, from the Super Nintendo. That was such an, another amazing game as well. But, you know, there's just, uh, you know... One of my favorite worlds, too, is actually within the game itself, Super Mario 3, is actually World 4, which is also known as the Giant Land. It contains obstacles and enemies for, you know, they're actually four times larger than what you usually expect. So it, it came as a shock. Now, just like, just kind of imagine just sitting there as a kid, you know, like an eight to 10 year old kid, just sitting there, just playing your Super Mario 3, seeing all these, you know, it kind of became not necessarily monotonous after a while, but you would start to understand that, okay, this was the game, this was the flow, this was the pace of the game, and then all of a sudden you come to World 4, and then you see these enemies who are just completely huge. So that just, that was such an amazing feeling to be like, whoa, like, you're like in, like, it's almost like you were playing a different game in a sense. Which was very interesting, very awesome at the same time. But the players navigated through the game via two game screens. So there was an overworld map, and then there was a level side-scrolling play field. With easy-to-learn controls, but hard to master, and quick decision-making of jumping from pla one platform to the next, you can see how much fun and addictive this game could actually be. So in addition to the, you know, the special items from previous games like the Super Mushroom and the Firepower, New power-ups are introduced that, you know, provided the player with new abilities. Uh, like I mentioned earlier with the Super Leaf. And then there was also a Tanuki suit. Very weird name, I know. But I'll get to that in just, just a brief moment. And there was also a Frog suit. And some of the newer moves you'll be able to use in the classic game. Um, so, like, the Tanuki suit allows Mario to turn to stone to avoid enemies for a short period of time. Changing into the Tanuki itself, like I said, every time I speak a word that is kind of off-kilter off a little bit, I'm like, God, that sounded... That's not, I'm, I'm, straight up a, I'm straight up a dork. <laughs> so, I don't know. I, I just find it fascinating. You can call me a nerd, you can call me a dork, I don't care. But... So yeah, the Tanuki suit, you you know, changing into the Tanuki after a while, jumping, you know, you know, jumping while in the suit itself, and then Mario pounding the ground. This is the first appearance of the now standard ground pound throughout the Mario franchise. The frog suit increases Mario's speed and agility underwater. It also makes him jump higher platform to platform while on land. I per personally like the frog suit a lot. Just I feel like you could really, you know, beat a level pretty quickly. Uh, especially, it's probably great for, like, speedrunners, too. Between that, I would say, and then, like, the Super Leaf, you know, the one that make, turns you into a raccoon or whatever. But, and, oh, there was also the... I didn't use this one as much, but it, there was a hammer suit as well and gives Mario the appearance of a hammer bro. It's one of the enemies in the game. And also gives him the ability to throw hammers and resist fire attacks while crouching. Which... I actually, believe it or not, this game has been out for almost, what, 30 years now? And 32 plus years, something like that, if my math is correct. I suck at math, by the way. <laughs> but this was the first time I, when I was doing my research within this, I didn't even understand that you could do that. Uh, resist the fire attacks while crouching. Oh, that's pretty cool. So I might have played, 
I, but another thing too, I'm going to try to, um, you know, produce this podcast, get it out there live, which I'm going to be doing here just shortly. It's 1235 right now. Uh, it's Saturday. Uh, I think it's, yeah, February the 1st. Um, so happy February. By the way, I know this is not really, this is kind of off topic, but my God, January sucked for everybody. Like, I, no one expected anything to happen like January, and January 2020 is just completely insane. So I, I was just talking to somebody the other day. I was like, maybe we got all the crap out of the way for tw- the year 2020 in the first month. So that'd be great. Hopefully so. Um, <laughs> we'll see what happens. But going back, I almost want to, you know, I'm going to finish up with this podcast because I don't want to go necessarily for too much longer. Uh, but I, another thing, too, when I was doing my last podcast, episode 13, I noticed that, man, I was always, uh, it was only like 10 minutes long. I was like, yeah, it's like one of my shortest podcasts. But let me know your feedback. I, I'm curious to know what your likes and dislikes are. And if you haven't, by the way, uh, it would really help me out. Um, especially algorithmically uh, by leaving me a review or subscribing. I know it sounds... I hate to even, like, ask for that kind of crap, you know? But I guess apparently that's how you're supposed to, you know, get into the system of, you know, the podcast and what's good and what's not. And the cream will rise to the top, obviously. I feel like I have a pretty decent podcast, the only thing is, is I don't have a damn guest speaker still. <laughs> so that is, uh, you know, trials and tribulations, but I mean, it is what it is. So, uh, yeah, I pretty much went off on a complete tangent right there. But kind of going back, because like I said, I want to finish up with this podcast. I will not necessarily go for too much longer on this, but it is Super Mario 3. You know, I want to give it, you know, due respect. Uh, yeah, so there was only a team, believe it or not, that consisted of about 10 people. Um, and a budget of about only $800,000. So take inflation into respect with that. Um, it took actually a whole two years to complete, which was not that crazy to think about back then, especially with only a, a, a team of, you know, anywhere between 10 to 15 people. Are you kidding me? Think about it now. Like all these gaming companies, whoever it may be, like Naughty Dog or, you know, uh, Obsidian or Ninja Theory or... Whoever it may be, you know, um, Nintendo, obviously. It, the, the teams now, there, there's no 10-team uh, first-party development team today. There's no way. I mean, there's indie, there's indie development teams, sure, with about 10 people. I've heard stories like that. But you don't hear about that nowadays. And it just kind of blows my mind that, um, you know, how, how things have progressed so drastically, you know, within a a time span of 20 to 30 years. Uh, I like the fact that I actually grew up within this time frame to actually, I feel like me, I don't know, this is just, you know, opinion, or I see it really as a fact, honestly, but growing up in when I did 87, up until this point, you, I feel like you appreciate video games a lot more, especially if you're a video game fan, a nut like me, you, seeing the progression of each game and each 
each decade that goes by, you, you understand to really be like, okay, I can see, I can actually see this game for what it is and appreciate the fact of what, you know, kind of quality it brings to the table. And actually, a lot of the games nowadays are, you know, originated from the games, obviously, back in the 80s or late 80s, early 90s. So another thing, too, I liked, th- this was just a, a complete anecdote, a factoid for you. But the chain shop, you know, the enemy, I was just reading uh, within, you know, once again, my research. But it, it, the, the, it was actually created by Miyamoto himself and stated that it was actually based off a bad childhood experience with a neighbor's dog. So I guess I'm envisioning what Miyamoto was having to go through as a kid. His neighboring dog or whatever, I guess, was on a chain and... It's just, it blows my mind that he was able to think of something like this and bring it into the the Mario franchise. This blows me away. Uh, another thing, too, is the Zelda franchise, how just completely awestruck I am about how he even went about this and how he was able to create something from another childhood experience once again. And to another complete, you know, multi-million dollar, if not maybe even billion dollar IP, Legend of Zelda, you know? So, uh, just like I said, definitely don't want to go too much longer. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the movie, if y'all haven't heard the movie The Wizard, starred Fred Savage. He was also in The Wonder Years. I don't know if you ever watched The Wonder Years. That would be another great, actually, episode to do about The Wonder Years because I remember watching that, too. My gosh. That 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 show, that, if, I, that almost embodies nostalgia, uh, The Wonder Years. But, uh, you know, I don't want to, like I said, go for too much longer. But, you know, so there was Fred Savage uh, as Corey Woods. Uh, and there's also, believe it or not, Tobey Maguire was in the movie as an uncredited goon. The film's reception was not well sought after from critics, but had, you know, since, you know, release, it has garnered, garnered, excuse me, a cult following. So what I really enjoyed most about this game, just to kind of wrap up, you know, uh, was how the whimsical environment, the, the dreamlike sensation you would get that was brought, you know, to the table within this game. It's just, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's almost like you were playing, playing in a dream in a sense. That's what, I think that's what made it so enjoyable and so appealing, you know, especially to kids, you know, back then. There was, you know, such as, for instance, like, you know, as the fireballs that would spit up out of the ground, you know, or, you know, visiting a castle or hearing the sound effect of a turning, turning into a flying raccoon, uh, or finally making it to world four to see, like I mentioned earlier, to see, you know, the enemies four times larger than usual. It also brought my sisters and I closer, believe it or not, too. Not only with this particular game, I just remember playing this with my sisters constantly, especially when my mom and dad were like, go out to eat or whatever, and I would be home and they would be babysitting me. We would all be huddled around the TV, be, you know, me and my two sisters. Sometimes, like, a neighbor, neighbor's kids would come over and we would, you know, hang out. I guess when mom and dad were there. I was so young, I can't even really hardly remember. But we would all, it just, 
I don't know how else to describe it, but like, I finally got to the point where <laughs> I couldn't, you know, I like, uh, not necessarily couldn't, but I, I always, I would always just constantly be playing this game, you know, even with my sisters there or not, regardless, so it was me necessarily around the TV constantly, maybe that's why my, you know, my mom was just like, okay, you need to, <laughs> she probably was like, you need to calm down with this, and uh, I, there for a while too, I didn't even have my own TV in the, you know, the bedroom, so the, the, the actual N Nintendo Entertainment System was hooked up in the family TV, so I could only, you know, really play it throughout the day, and at that point, you know, during the night, if my parents weren't, you know, cooking out or whatever, um, they they would usually be watching the news or something, so I wasn't able to play it then. But I remember finally getting my TV when I was, like, you know, in my teens or whatever, and then that's when I really kind of really started gaming and all that kind of good stuff, too. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's really all I had other than the fact that, you know... Like, I just want to mention to you that I just remember, you know, just another remembering moment was, yeah, my dad would always be out there, like, grilling. Yeah, there would be a sliding glass door, and it would usually be open, and I could hear my dad, like, listening to, like, you know, some music, like, kind of faintly, you know, in the background. I could hear, like, the, you know, the steak sizzling on the grill. It'd be, like, 85 degrees. It'd be in the summertime. This would be my summer almost every every night pretty much it felt like or from what I can remember and my mom would be out there you know singing to like a country song or something and just enjoying you know life back then and I just it's just something different than it is what it is now um you know back in the good old analog days you, you didn't really there wasn't a whole lot of cares and worries, I guess, but I guess I can only say that, you know, from a kid's point of view, obviously. So, but it was such an immersive and brilliant game, and we couldn't get enough of it. We really couldn't. And this this game, I like I said, I, I feel like it actually brought my sisters and I a little bit closer together, so I appreciate that fact. I really do. And, yeah, another game that really brought us closer together, I won't go too much longer on this, but... Uh, you know, the track and field game, I don't know if you necessarily remember that, but it had like this mat, it had like these numbers on it, I think from like one to nine maybe, but you remember the mat, if you, if you remember this game, then you well know that you did not use your feet for the track and field portion, excuse me, but you would use your hands, you would just like lay on the ground and just like slap your hands to the mat but that'll definitely have to be for another podcast later because I do want to talk about that. And maybe I can have my sisters on one day to discuss that game too because that, that game in itself, we had so much fun with that. It's, that was an incredible game. But I, w I want to thank you for tuning in. Seriously, uh, I couldn't do this without y'all. I also wanted to bring to your attention that, uh, let's see, I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I want to really kind of let let the audience let you guys to decide you know on further topics because I'm actually just you know getting these topics you know through my thought process obviously but I want to you know I want to make make sure the audience is like really engaged with each episode um so let me know you know send me an email shoot me a text if you have my number you know 
I do have a social media account. It's uh, on Instagram, Corey with an E-Y. Uh, and then as well as my Snapchat. Uh, I'll mention this after two, uh, after I conclude with this episode. But my Snapchat is C-O-R-E underscore L-A-T-I-028. But yeah, send me whatever you think would be a great episode for Press Play to Continue Rewind. And uh, just let me know, you know, I, I would certainly appreciate that fact. And any, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, um, throw that my way too. I, I want to bring it to the episode for, you know, ongoing. I want to, you know, be like, hey, so-and-so ask this question, then I can answer it. And then hopefully that, you know, can give a little bit more, uh, you know, enlightenment, I guess, <laughs> on whatever the question may be, you know. So I want to thank you for tuning in. Seriously, I always, always welcome new listeners, obviously. But I, I appreciate the ones that can, you know, consistently follow me as well. So I, seriously, the ones that do follow me, wow. Seriously, thank you so much. I am, I know I, this is, I'm, I, you know, I'm driving this home now at this point. But uh, I really do mean it. So thank you. Um, and always, always be kind. Rewind. Thank you. Rewind. As a product of Press Play to Continue, the show is produced by me, Corey Latimer. You can find me on Instagram at Corey with an E-Y and my Snapchat, C-O-R-E underscore L-A-T-I-028. As you know, all things Press Play to Continue are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com slash pressplay to continue. I'm internally grateful for your time, your love, and your support. Thank you. Thank you.